Welcome back to another episode of the Project Mormon Podcast with me, Connor Warman. My guest today is John Sissenwein. John is a friend of mine from Cross the Roots and another person who has to put up with me and my shenanigans on a daily basis. John grew up in New York, just outside of New York City. He got into advertising after college and was a creative director for over 20 years before finding his way into real estate. John got into CrossFit via his wife, Sarah, and we talk all about the key role that CrossFit has played in his life, why he does it, and what keeps him coming back for more. This was a very fun conversation, and I hope that you all enjoyed as much as I did. And now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. What's up, John? Hey. Dude, I'm excited for this. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks yeah. for being here. <laughs> I, I, got a, I, I got a tall task today. I got to try to get you out of your shell. You're very dry all the time. Uh, only around you. I think you bring out the worst in me. Why? <laughs> Usually people say I bring out the best in them. You know, CrossFit's an intimidating intimidating thing, right? Like, you know. Is it? Yeah, well, yeah. 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 So, you know, you're on your best behavior in the gym. There's etiquette, you know, like. Talking about me or you? Or I'm talking who, about who me. Are talking about? You, you were saying that I'm, I'm. You were bringing me out of my shell. I'm trying so to. I, I try to be reserved at the gym, be professional, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So do I. All the time. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> you don't believe me. Uh, you're not trying too hard. Anyway. Anyway. Well, that's a way to start. <laughs> so, you just had surgery. I they did. took a big thing out of your knee. Lucky number four. Fourth on yeah. that same knee. Uh, on that same knee. When do you just call it quits and just get a robotic knee? Uh, I'm not there actually. Like, so it's, it's stronger than it's ever been. This last surgery was just taking a screw out that was from the original surgery in 1995 when they did things a little bit differently. Hmm. Um, like they don't even use screws like that anymore, but it is this ginormous screw. Um, I can show you on the way out, but it is, looks like an Ikea part. Oh wow. Big titanium, you know, like hex screw. Um, so after the second surgery, which was two years ago, for some reason, the screw just started backing out. So I had a big bump on my leg and depending on where, what position I was in, I would kind of feel it and it felt like it was getting stressed. So they pulled it out. Yeah. You made me touch it one day. I did. You said you were fine <laughs> with like, it. Ugh. And then you were like, <laughs> were really squeamish. <laughs> well, you know, you try anything once, you know, mm-hmm. um, Ikea though, that place sucks. Yeah. Well, I think this was a little bit more uh, medical grade than Ikea, okay. but it looked, I was like, this is like a big Ikea screw. Did you ever go there? I, ch- I, I made a rule. So, you know, when Ikea came to New York and I'm dating myself back to like 98, okay. I had bought my first apartment in New York and had no money. Mm-hmm. And so off to Ikea, I went yeah. and uh, that was like a journey, you know, to, to get over to New Jersey and go to this ginormous thing that was like so mm. new for the it was one of the first in the u.s i think mm. and now it's like everywhere mm. um but i made a rule i think it was shortly after sarah and i started living together that we were done with ikea products yeah it's good <laughs> yeah. it's a good transition in life to they make. just you know you put them together and put it there but you can't ever move it again yeah It'll just fall apart <laughs> <laughs> okay so i'm going off the premise that you're boring all right so give me an interesting story from your childhood something funny uh, embarrassing interesting story from my childhood um that 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 highlights me as not boring i would yeah, assume yeah 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 that would be the idea um well so i mean i could kind of encapsulate my childhood that i had a very different childhood than most okay um i was the son of a stereotypical upper east side uh psychologist in new york okay and uh, my whole childhood was pretty much analyzed in, in that sense. And then um, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but kind of like a nutty mom. And okay. so just living in, you know, suburban, suburban area just outside New York City. Um, and I was not your normal child. I didn't do things the way most kids did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the ending to that is. You know, um, most people were kind of surprised that I actually got out of high school and went to college and, mm-hmm. you know, got on with my life. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Psychologist as a dad. That's interesting. Like, where does someone like that, how do you separate? Uh, oh, God, you don't. I mean, everything, 
everything. Whenever I got in trouble, which was usually almost always, yeah, um, I would Trouble's always, good. I would Nothing always get caught. That. And he, you know, he was cool and like, you know, super liberal. Um, is the the way that I grew up, and yeah. there weren't a lot of boundaries. But his rule was: do whatever you want, don't get caught. Hmm. Um, am I allowed to curse on this? Yes. Yeah, right. So he would say: do whatever you want, don't get fucked up, and don't get caught. Hmm. And that was his words of wisdom. But for whatever reason, I would always get caught. I never really got fucked up, but I got caught a lot. Um, so that was kind of, and he would always say after I got caught, I would say, dad, I promise not, you know, not again. And he would say, we shall see. Mm. And that killed me. It was Why? Like, oh, that the, like the, the, the guilt. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Kind uh, of thing? Yeah. It was just like, I don't believe, I don't believe it <laughs> until, <Yeah>. I, <laughs> until I see it. Uh, and I, I think I usually, you know, proved that he was right. I would always get in trouble. Again. Time and time again. Time and t- My sister got away with everything. I, I you the I, oldest, youngest, I'm, middle? I'm younger. Okay. Yeah. She she found a way to kind of like do her thing and huh. somehow never got caught. Isn't it usually the other way around? The older one gets caught? Yeah. And paves the way for the... Yeah, kind yeah. of, right? Yeah. No, I mean, she paved the way for me as far as like my parents were really not focused on parenting by mm-hmm. that time. Gotcha. <laughs> and they split when I was like 13. So, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. And this was in New York? This was in a little town called Hastings. New York? Hastings on the Hudson. Usually, mm. you know, if people know it, if you say, I'm from Hastings, then they say Hastings on the Hudson. Mm. Right above Yonkers, right above New York City, on the mm. Hudson, right on the Hudson River. So do you, are you a believer that New York has the best pizza? Uh, it did. When, when I was a kid, it did. What happened? Um, you know, it's interesting. I think it's the same as Chinese food, right? If okay. you go eat pizza or Chinese food generally in New York, no, I'm not talking about like Chinatown, but like just go mm-hmm. something happened. Yeah, right. it happened. Um, the generations, I think, lost the way. Like you from know, the original from people. From the original who people it. who were like making, you know, Chinese food isn't really Chinese food. It was mm-hmm. like street food in San Francisco. Um, there's like this whole history about the railroad, right? So they found um, Chinese immigrants to mm-hmm. cook food for the railroad and they created these dishes. They called it Chinese food. But, um, you know, what, what we eat here is Chinese food isn't necessarily what they eat in China, for, from what I understand or what I've been told. So what is it, just new generations trying to modernize or change? I think that and then, like, you know, trying to keep costs down and buying food from, like, Cisco gotcha. mm-hmm. and, like, packaged food and cans and all this. You mm-hmm. know, like, we go to this place in, in Boulder called China Gourmet, which is okay, you know, yeah. like... In New York, when we would order Chinese food, you looked forward to like leftovers the next day. Mm-hmm. And here, it's kind of like, oh, I gotta eat this again. Yeah. <laughs> do you even eat pizza here? I do. I think uh, I think Cosmos has a good, pretty good play on New York pizza, and okay. so does Backcountry. They're, okay. They're Backcountry's either, good. Like Cosmos sauce is spicy, which is not a New York thing. Okay. Um, and then Backcountry is a little doughy for New York pizza. Yeah, Backcountry is pretty greasy too. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like it's good. I think all of it is because it's not real cheese anymore. You know, it's, it's like not. these. What do they do? What do they they mix. They mix all different kinds of cheeses together to try and make it. But you know, some of it's less expensive than other stuff. Is that because it's cheaper? I, I I would I would guess. Man, what's would, up with that? I know. I know. Did you have a favorite pizza spot in New York? Uh, well, the, I so I made pizza when I was in high school. Okay. I, I worked at a local pizza place, and I'm trying to think of the name of it. That's gonna maybe it'll come to me later, but yeah, like it was. We had like we were. I was throwing dough in the air. You can't remember where you worked. I'm trying to remember the name of the place, can't think of it. Huh. I'm sure one of my high school friends will hear this and call me and be like, "How yeah, could right. you forget?" How could you forget? Um, but yeah, it was owned by these mafia guys. Okay. Like no joke. And there was always all this cash like in the walk-in cooler, and so mm. when we had to go get stuff like pep, you know, pepperoni or whatever or cheese out of the walk-in. Like we had to let people know we were going into the walk-in really. And they would watch us come out, you know, to make sure that we didn't have one of these like paper bags stuffed with cash. It was a total like money laundering. How did that go on? Like, how did no one find out about that? This was New York in the eighties. I mean, you know, (laughs) it was still like that, like in the eighties. Oh yeah. I mean, there was less, I think there was less violent crime. Yeah. 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 Wow. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah. You never tried to pull any funny business. 
absolutely not. And I knew my place. Yeah. And, but I was happy to have a job and it was fun making pizza. Throwing, actually throwing dough in the, the Literally do they still do that at throw, all? I mean, yeah, because when you throw it in the air, it's spinning mm-hmm. and you get a more perfect circle mm-hmm. than just trying to stretch dough on a, mm-hmm. on a flat surface. Huh. Yeah. And can you still do it today? It might take me. Do you ever tries. do it in the kitchen? No. Do you guys ever make pizza at home? No. What What are you doing with your kids? Uh, why make pizza when you can order it? Because it's actually fun to make. Yeah. You know. I have a friend that just bought one of those pizza outdoor pizza ovens. Oh yeah, yeah, really yeah. popular. Mm-hmm. It looked, yeah. looked like a good idea. You should do it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so you said that people were amazed that you got out of high school and did what you did. Yeah. Why would they say that? Um, you know, I was. I probably had some learning challenges. I don't know how they'd be diagnosed these days, but in the 70s. Probably in all kinds of ways. Probably in all kinds of ways. But in the 70s and 80s, it was like, you know, you're just not a, you're not a, you know, (laughs) we're not going to invest much in you. Um, (laughs) And so I just kind of slid by, but it got to the point where um, I, I had a, I left public school, went to a boarding school that didn't last very long, uh, three months to be exact. And mm-hmm. I, got, I got kicked out of there. So I went back to public school. Was that son going to bother you? Nope. I'm good. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, back to public school. And then finally my senior year, I was taking this anthropology course. And I remember this really well because it was a, f- a friend of mine or a guy who hung out in our circle. His father was the teacher. And uh, I was failing it miserably. Um, mm-hmm. And it came to the final project where we had to do a video, um, which kind of, you know, projects me into my career of radio and TV and broadcast and advertising. Mm-hmm. But um, I had to do a final project. And so I did the day in the life of a boy. Um, and we did this video and edited it together. And when I talk about edit, I mean, like, pause and record with a VCR, you know, mm. with a VCR tape. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, we didn't have computers yet, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I killed it. And uh, he said, well, I don't know if it's enough for you to pass. And I said, do you really want me here next year? And Fair question. And I passed. That's, he said, <laughs> That's what did, how he, I did he answer that question? Or? You know, he, no, just, no. he just kind of looked at me like, you're kid, right. Kid makes sense. Yeah. Right. <laughs> maybe, he brings up a good point. Maybe he's smarter than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> and then where'd you end up going to college? So with terrible high school grades, I didn't have a whole lot of options, but there was a school in uh, southeastern Massachusetts called Dean, okay. which is now a four-year school, but at the time it was a two-year radio TV program. Okay. Um, liberal arts, but it had a radio TV program. So I went there, um, got heavily into radio, learned some TV production. Um, and while I was there, as we discussed, uh, I interned at ProFM in Providence okay. um, for you know one of the top DJs in the country at the time and kind of got all that experience and really wanted to be a DJ. I was... In, I was a director at the school station, which was kind of run like a, you know, top 40 CHR station. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was going to probably have to live in like, you know, Kansas for a little while if I wanted to break into the radio industry. Like actually Kansas? Well, yeah, because I wasn't going to get a job in New York, Mm. you know. um, Why not? Because I didn't have the experience. Oh, uh, gotcha. Like you got to, you got to pay your dues. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In Kansas. Yeah. Secondary markets or something or whatever. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) and I realized like I didn't want to do that because I, I was raised to believe that New York was the end all be all. Okay. That makes sense. And so my goal was to go back to New York. Mm -hmm. Um, and so advertising stood out as a career where I wouldn't have to wear a suit. Um, and I didn't really know what it meant other than advertising. And during, you know, the eighties, there were all these TV shows that were all about advertising. So, um, that was my dream. And so somehow I got into advertising yeah. um, and then eventually became a writer. Okay. Um, can we slow down? Sure. <laughs> was it that project that like, is that what put you on that path or were you already wanting to do that? Uh, what were, project? Like when you're like, you killed it and you didn't pass the class, but you did pass the class. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I think I always had like a, a, a knack for, um, well, I would say that I, I must have had a knack for creativity because mm-hmm. it's what most of my career has been based on. Really? You don't strike me as the creative type. Yeah. You strike me as the sit in a cubicle, <laughs> you know, like you've seen the movie, The Incredibles. Yeah. Like in the beginning when he's in his job and he's like in a suit or whatever. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think I ever wore a suit to a job. Wow. There, there were certain events and things where I would have to dress and like, you know, if we were doing events and stuff, but 
generally I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops and that's an accomplishment in itself that was the beauty of advertising you know we rolled in at like 10 30 in the morning um we would you know check off the low-hanging fruit then we'd go get coffee and we'd come back and maybe we'd like focus on something and mm-hmm. then we'd go to lunch for a couple hours and have a few drinks and then we'd come back and we'd be there till like you know midnight two in the morning mm. sometimes depending on the the workload jeez but that was that was kind of the heyday of that that doesn't really exist in the industry anymore. really yeah. what happened uh holding companies and digital advertising and metrics and all that kind of stuff so it just happened. got ruined it, it really did it's yeah. over I, th- I mean you know there's still some I, I don't know when's the last time you saw a really good tv commercial that made you laugh don't really watch a lot of like t- real TV, but you know what I'm saying. Though, yeah, right? yeah. Like, like I mean, even the Super Bowl commercials over the years have gotten worse and worse and uh, worse terrible. and worse and worse. Terrible. Yeah. 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 I, and you know, historically, I'm not a, not a team sports fan. No. I know nothing about like basketball. But you watch baby. the Super Bowl. But I watch the Super Bowl. But you have to be quiet during the commercials if you watch the Super. Isn't Bowl. Isn't that funny? It's like no one cares about the game generally. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like commercials. People are like, but now they like yeah. release them before. Yeah, well, you could go on in like a week and there's watch. There's the internet. Yeah, you know, it the internet ruins be, everything. You could only see it once, and that was it. Yeah, you never. Or you tape the game. Now you put can. The, now they're all on YouTube. You can go put back. your VHS in and tape it. <laughs> Record the Super doing. Bowl. Maybe. I think we may have recorded a Super Bowl or two yeah. like, if we were doing something. But yeah, yeah, that was all. You know, when I lived in, when I was younger and lived in New York, and you know, we would do Super Bowl parties, but we were all in advertising, so. Mm. That, you know, during the game, everybody's talking and drinking and eating and whatever, and the commercials came on, everybody was dead silent. Did you ever work on a project that had a Super Bowl commercial? No. Who'd you no. work for? Uh, the big agencies I've worked for, um, TBWA, Shiat Day, Hill Holiday, Leo Burnett. Um, I have those, no idea. Yeah, the, I mean, they're they're big mm. monster agencies. Like, who, what companies did they work for? Uh, well, what clients have I worked on? I have worked on, let's see, like bigger clients I've worked on, Nextel, Verizon, DirecTV. Okay. Um, Was it like the Can You Hear Me Now Verizon commercials? Uh, yes, although, you know, there's all different levels of, of advertising. So there's gotcha. like the brand side and then there's like, like when I worked on Verizon, I ran all the direct mail for the Northeast region. Okay. Um, but not, and you know, had my had my go at a few TV assignments, but never, um, never mm. for the brand. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. lots of layers in advertising. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. That was like, let's just make talking M and M's and throw them out there. Right. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. That Which are on, now back. on hiatus. Why? Because of the whole woke okay, movement. Man. Are you serious? Cowboy, yeah. The now the new spokesperson is Maya Rudolph, I think. Okay. And there are no talking M&Ms for a while. Wow. Yeah. Is that crazy to you? Tell me that's crazy to you. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of crazy. It's like that. You see the Avatar thing? Uh, I haven't seen the movie. But not like, you don't have to see the movie to know that there was a big uprising against Avatar. Uh, Yeah. I didn't pay much attention. Like cultural appropriation or whatever. Yeah. It's like a Times article about it. Yeah. Didn't read it. Just funny. You know? I, you know, all the political stuff, like I'm of the mindset of like, you know, you do you and just keep moving. And just keep um, going. Yeah. 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 But, you know, uh, but with respect for other people around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. don't be a dick. But also don't be a dick back to me and tell me I can't do all these things. Yeah. You right. know? Like, everyone's going to find offense in something. Totally. You know? Yep. But, but you know, whatever. as a product of the 70s and 80s, like I said. You yeah. Know, it was like, you know, you broke your arm. They're like, are you sure it's broken? Do you really <laughs> need to go to the emergency room? Yeah. Um, which is actually a true story. <laughs> I got, oh, really? I got hit by, I was ri- <laughs> riding my bike on a sidewalk. Of yeah. This van came barreling into the parking lot. Uh-huh. I like grabbed onto the front of the van. I was hanging off it. And I guess when I hit my hand, I broke this little bone. It's like the fifth metacarpal, like right, yeah. on, right on the edge of your palm. And so it's black and blue. I can barely get my glove off. My dad's like, well, you know, let's look at it for, let's watch it for a day. And I'm like, we, we got to go get x-rays. <laughs> so I finally talked him into going to the hospital and sure enough, yeah. it was broken. There you go. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah. 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 
So growing up near New York City, kind of, right? Spent a lot of time in the city. So my dad, being a psychologist, had what was an apartment as mm-hmm. his office, and he shared it with a couple other guys that were like his buddies at one time. Mm-hmm. They all had their crazy stories and kind of went their own ways. But um, it was this ginormous penthouse, like four-bedroom apartment on the Upper East Side. And so on the weekends, there was nobody there, mm-hmm. except when one of them was going through a divorce. They were like living there, oh. um, which was pretty much all of them at different times. Oh, jeez. So on weekends, we had full free rain um so you know by the time i was like 15 16 we were going to the city and you know staying mm. there that's pretty sweet yeah but like was that always the mindset of like new york's the end goal like everybody wants to end in new york city and live there was that like the dream uh i would say not all of my friends are there now but a few of us went back yeah mm. but it was that that mindset was more of my like my family thought like gotcha. new york was the, my sister still lives there i think a lot of people still think that I, we, you know, we had our first child and realized like, this is just not going to work out. Mm. Like this is just not doable. Um, so expensive. I mean, I think we, the first nanny we had, you know, about three months after Ben was born and Sarah went back to work $30,000 a year in cash, Mm. you know, and this is 2005. Um, that was a lot of money, Mm. you know, and then, you know, we were working crazy hours, so we never saw him. Like we would leave. In the morning, we'd, we'd be able to spend a little time with him. And, and then by the time we got home at night, he was in bed, mm. you know. And then, of course, we'd get up in the middle of the night with him. And that was fun. But <laughs> So that's why he is the way he is now. Because he was neglected as a child. <laughs> no, he was never he was never neglected. Just, just neglected by me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, That checks out. Yes. How long were you in advertising for? Uh, I think I got my first job in advertising in 94. Okay. Um, when did you graduate school? in 93 okay um but i took some time and traveled the, the country in a van for like two and a half months how was that that was amazing um where'd you be- go best thing i could have done so we i was fit so i the first school i was at i then transferred to plattsburgh state which is a, one of the suny state universities in, of new york in upstate new york and so i was up there for two years and then i spent um some time delivering little caesar's pizza Nice. Saving up money for this trip. We bought a, uh, a West Valley. Well, not West Valley because it didn't have the pop top, but a little van, uh, you know, Vanagon, Volkswagen Vanagon. And we drove all the way down the East Coast, all the way down to Virginia, and then across, like, down through New Orleans and through Texas to California and all the way up to Seattle and then kind of zigzagged back. It was about two and a half months that's a long time just to be on the road. Yeah. But I think by the two and a half months and we started heading back and we were just like, let's go. Like yeah. We were just kind of done. Never you stop somewhere and we're like, let's just stay. Well, so the original thought was, you know, let's, let's go. And if a town's cool and like we could find like an odd job to support ourselves, we could stay for a little while. Mm-hmm. But that never really happened. No. Yeah. Why not? Because we were just partying and like <laughs> meeting people and hanging out and just following the dead a little bit and, you know. The Grateful Dead? The Grateful Dead. How's that? Uh, You're a deadhead? Oh, <laughs> Look around. A mental note for the listeners here. He's sitting in my office looking at a picture of Jerry Garcia yeah. and tour posters, but yes. Wow. Um, I'm going to tell her to shut up. Hold okay. On. Just, yeah, I'll pause it. Okay, so you were a deadhead. Are you a parrot head too? Uh, what's a parrot head? Parrot head? I don't know what that like is. Like Jimmy Buffett and the Coral Reefer Band, the greatest music musician of all time? I, I think I know his greatest hits. So every song he's ever made? Uh, it's for, well, right. So how, how can you be a parrot head? Because that's, like that's what he calls it. That's what his people are called. Oh, okay. No, like I, me. I've never heard that. Never? Never. Do you live under a rock? Um, do you ever leave this little rumor in? Um, I do. I get out. I go to the gym. Is that your escape room in case you get in trouble? <laughs> the escape door. Escape door. So... Oh, okay. That's where you came in from. This used to be part of the garage. Gotcha. Okay, okay. So you were on your little thing, your little bender with your boys. Yeah. My, is that, well, is so that where you met Sarah? No. This was my best friend from mostly middle school and high school. Okay. Um, and we had decided we were – he was uh, an interesting one and, and – um, spend most of his time in the restaurant industry after that, like professional serving, like super mm-hmm. high end okay. restaurant kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, he and I just had this dream of doing this trip. So we, we did it. 
Packed up and went for it. Packed up and went for it. Yeah. So you said you got in advertising in 94. Yeah, after that trip, I went back to New York, um, slept on my sister's couch for a little while okay. until I landed my first job, which was not really in advertising. It was more in like PR and like um, for the Electronic Industries Association as like a publicist, Okay. Um, which I didn't really even know what I was doing, but I learned a little bit. And then, uh, and then moved into, I worked at the Advertising Club of New York, which is like mm-hmm. an industry association, which also runs the Andy Awards, which is kind of like the, um, I don't know, what like when you, like Cleo's or, you know, the, the big popular shows, but there's a lot of like industry shows. I don't know what you're talking about. You, you know, every year there would be like the, the award show for advertising on TV. Um, I've never seen that. I don't remember which one it was, but anyway, it, yeah, it's not really a big thing anymore. Like the Academy Awards, kind of, but for advertising. Oh, that that used to be on TV. There was one, yeah. I'm trying to think of what it was called, but huh. so there, so there's there's the Art Club, there's the Ad Club, Andy Awards, there's the Cleos, there's okay, there's a few of those. <laughs> did other it, where did it air? MTV. No, that wasn't broadcast stuff. Oh, that, that was like gotcha. in, industry stuff. So, but by. <sighs> By working at the ad club and seeing this award show is kind yeah. of what sparked my interest in, okay, in okay, okay. the creative side. Yeah, yeah. And so I went back to school at the School of Visual Arts in New York mm. and started putting together my portfolio. Gotcha. And finally landed my first job at a real ad agency, which was, well, I don't know if I'd call it real. It's a little mom and pop shop. Um, there were literally like mom was in the back doing the books. Nice. I didn't really know that when I took the job, but, yeah. um, and I was working primarily on radio cause I had this big radio background from college. Uh, so I was working on ri- writing radio and producing radio and you wrote radio shows, radio uh, commercials. Oh, yeah. you never worked on shows, never worked on shows, but you so, were a DJ, uh, in college I was a DJ. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So that was my, my connection to radio. And so yeah. when I got into advertising, that was uh, an easy entree because I, I knew the industry. Mm-hmm. So I was writing, you know, TV commercials for a lot of local kind of stuff around New York. And then I wrote a lot of stuff for Howard Stern. Oh, cool. Um, commercials on Howard Stern. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's sweet. Um, and then after about three years of that, I was like, if I don't get out of here, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. So I got out of there, <laughs> worked for a little interactive web shop for a while, and then somehow found my way into Shy at Day, which is... You know, they were famous for Apple. Um, and I was working on They had the Nextel account at the time. And that's okay. what, that's kind of what launched me into, like, mainstream advertising. Gotcha. And then you were big time. I don't know if I was ever big time. I, like, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know that I ever... I mean, I was certainly successful in advertising. I don't know that I ever, like, did the work that was notable. Like, you know, I think my dream going into it was, like, a Super Bowl commercial. Or, um, like, great talking M&Ms. Yes, you know, or cavemen in the Geico commercials. Yep, um, just genius. I did do a USTA TV commercial, which was um, pretty well. I don't think they put a lot of media behind it, but that was a pretty big one. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of other little stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I aged out of advertising. Yeah, it was just, and then we moved out here, and you know, the market's much smaller, and then the recession of 2009 just kind of like drained all the jobs and there was all this talent here. Um, and I realized I just wasn't really employable anymore. So mm. I was doing my own thing and freelancing, created my own ad agency, which was super successful at times and pretty dry at other times. And then kind of had my midlife crisis and that's when I jumped into real estate. During the recession? No. Um, so the recession had us moving out of Boulder we okay. moved to Chicago to follow jobs, and that's where I worked for Beer Burnett. Where um, were you guys again in the city? It, we lived on the North Shore. Okay. Yeah, in a town called Winneka. Yep, I know is, the name. Yes. Um, not not really the right place for me. No, why? No. Uh, I don't know that the Midwest generally was the right place for me. For gotcha. This, like, liberal New York guy. Um, <laughs> the Midwest is... So Boulder's the, the spot. Yeah, I think Boulder's so. Boulder's good, yeah. I, Boulder's good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after a year and a half there, we, we gutted a 1920s farmhouse. Okay. And that project was over. Mm. We came back to Boulder to ski one, I think it was a President's Day weekend, and, and Boulder was just happening. And we were like, but the Midwest is still so depressed. Like, what's yeah. going on? And we realized, what what, what are we doing? Let's, yeah. let's move back to Boulder. Has so, Boulder changed? Like, people say it used to be way more fun. Boulder used to be much more of a small town feel. Gotcha. It, had, it definitely had a hippie vibe to it. 
That's great. Um, we like that. I like that. Yeah, but now cool. you know it's grown immensely mm-hmm. and in population and the amount of wealth here um, and some of the point of views that come with that have gotten a, gotcha. little, a little off track. Gotcha. Is that like just because people are coming from all over the place or um, just got too big for what it used to be? Or I I don't know. I mean, mm. you know, it definitely has to do with the tech industry, you know, is bringing some of these like powerhouses. Right. But the yeah. the sheer wealth that is here is is kind of like it, it's beyond what you could even imagine sometimes. I okay. mean, especially, you know, working in that real estate space, I've, I've had some clients with just just insane amounts of money, um, which is not, you know, not a bad thing. And, and it used to be that the wealthy people living in Boulder were all on trust funds. They were all trust fund babies. Okay. Um, whether they moved here because they had the money to and they, you know, whatever, or they were like, you know, um, mining claim heirs, hmm. you know, with generations of people that were from Colorado gotcha. or, or whatever. <laughs> Um, so like you have all these different ways of, or points of view and ways of life and all merging together and mm. it makes for a city feel versus mm. a small town feel. Joe Rogan used to live here. Is that true? I think so. That's really bizarre. I can't imagine. Really? I can't. Uh, yeah. He like likes this place. Yeah. He's a big fan. I don't think he always we, talks about it. I don't think we it. like him that much. You don't? <laughs> I think Boulder in general would probably. Oh, yeah. They would probably, probably disown him. a little bit. But he's, yeah, you know, he's he's changed. Um, I mean, I think. I mean, not changed. He just talks to a lot of people. Uh, I think he talks a lot of shit. <laughs> Is that bad? <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I mean, oh. when, you become a, when you become a personality and you just um, are one of those people that. Uh, you know, gravitate towards saying the things that some buzzwords, people, the buzzwords that some people will gra- will will latch onto, and, mm. and and most, well, I in my opinion, most of the world will not agree with. Gotcha. Um, you know, maybe the rest of the world is wrong. Yeah. Well, you know, although I always surprise myself on like how many people actually do agree. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. Terrifying. We call that a silent majority. Are we supposed to get into politics here? I don't no, know. we're not this getting. Into, go we're sideways. not getting into politics. <laughs> we're just talking about Joe Rogan. I know what side of the room you're on. I'm. <laughs> well, yeah. We've had this conversation. I'm sitting across from you. <laughs> so seven. You grew up in like the 70s and 80s. Yep. So when you were DJing, what kind of music were you playing? Oh my God! It was like. Um, I'm going to be total like mind mind blank right now. Um, it was around the time where uh, Ice Ice Baby came out and okay. it was like the ripoff of uh, whatever it was and he was being sued and yep. that was the, you know, yeah the whole Vanilla Ice scandal. Um, Who did he rip off? Um, it was... Dun, 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 dun. was um, did he rip off like Queen and what they did? Was it Queen? Queen and David Bowie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Under yeah. pressure. Yeah, under pressure. Yeah, yeah right. See, yeah. Know a lot of music. There you go. Why'd you ask? <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying yes. You're right. What like what kind of music did you like growing up? Or just yeah. It was, I mean, you, growing it was a up, good era for music. In yeah. my opinion. Well, it's so crazy that you know um, David um, Crosby died last oh. week. Yep. Um, the the Deja Vu, which was one of the Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young albums that was like so popular. But I mean, that was like a, a staple in my house. Mm. Um, I have vivid memories of my dad, like making a ginormous fire in the fireplace and putting that album on and, you know, mm. vinyl, you know, yeah, with yeah. like the stereophonic uh, setup that he had. Um, so that, yeah, it was mostly classic rock and like kind of 60s, 60s music. Um, is what I grew up to and then classic rock through through my <laughs> formative years um, and then when I got to college is when you know I started uh, well right before college the end of high school and then or college is when the the Grateful Dead kind of caught my ear um, mm-hmm. and then I started you know when I got to college I found my friend group was super into it and you know we were on weekends going to going to shows and yeah, it was awesome. Just a bunch of dudes tripping on mushrooms. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> were you like, uh, were you an Aerosmith guy? Uh, I mean, I liked everything. Yeah. Um, I saw Aerosmith, and I saw Aerosmith when the Black Crows opened up for them. They were like okay. unknown. Oh wow. Um, that was like summer of. The Black Crows opened up Aerosmith. Yeah. I just saw them this summer. I want to say it was summer of like '89 or '90. Hmm. Yeah. Were you a Motley Crue guy? 
Definitely not. No way. No. I mean, I just the heavy metal and the like that that aspect that attitude was not. They weren't my, really heavy metal. Well, they were mainstream heavy yeah, metal, but right? they were cool. Were they? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> really? I, don't I know. also saw them last summer. Okay. And there's this is what's left of them. Yeah. You know, Vince is like ginormous now. Uh, yeah. Like I don't know how those guys can still. I don't know what happened to him. You know, what's really astonishing. He is also like, can't sing. Yeah. He sounds terrible. There, that's true of a lot of um, like the older generation musicians that have come back and tried to do it again, and I think people just you know, forgive it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to say, Bob Weir, who's, you know, one of the remaining members of the Grateful Dead who kind of spearheads everything at this point, you know, with John Mayer and Dead and Company, which is now, you know, this will be the last summer. The, the, Are you going? Uh, store. Yeah. Are they yeah. coming here? Um, they are coming here. They're going to be in Boulder for three nights. At Folsom Field? Fields, yeah. Huh. It's a big party. I mean, yeah. you get to like walk down the street and see this amazing show. And, like, yeah. you know, it's just, it's a big party. It's May, a good, I might go. It's a good weekend in Boulder. Yeah. Okay. If you can get a ticket, do three, it. Three nights a week? I'm actually going to see Phil Lesh and Friends on okay. Saturday, this Saturday night. So Where are they at? They're playing at the Mission Ballroom. Okay. Um, but they've, you know, reincarnated themselves like everybody. And so have you heard of Goose? No. So Goose is kind of like a standout young band that is doing kind of, you know, pretty amazing things. Um, and so the lead singer for Goose plays with Phil Lesh and Friends now, um, or at least on this tour. Um, there's a lot more kind of melding and moving around of artists and like joining other artists. And it's not mm. just the, o- the only it can only be those two or three or four people anymore. Mm-hmm. Like they are mixing things up. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. Let's so, go. I, I still, you know, I, in my, in my New York city days, I had some, you know, club era, um, where I was kind of getting into some DJ stuff and okay. electronica. Um, I wouldn't say more electronica than techno. Okay. Um, if you understand the difference between the two. Not really. Yeah. I stay away from that it, stuff. It's it, a bad crowd. Techno is just like, just m- more beats and electronica. Mm. Um, but the, you know, Paul Van Dyke and um, Sasha and Digweed and like these old school DJs would just like, you know, they could get a room moving like insanely and then just bring everybody like to a standstill. It was, mm. it was kind of amazing. Yeah, that's amazing cool. They can do that. That yeah. is pretty amazing. Yeah. My head would explode, but it's fine. You'd be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. You just start, you just find yourself like grooving and you don't mm. even, you, you don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But then, you know, there's this reincarnation of, of Grateful Dead music and the amount of iterations of bands like that are actively playing this music all the time now mm-hmm. um, is pretty amazing. So if Jimmy Buffett comes to Colorado this year, would you go? <laughs> if you said, hey, I have an extra ticket. Will you come with me? Uh, easy. Yes. Done. Yeah. If he comes, if he comes to Red Rocks again. Yeah. I, you, you know, I can see anything at Red Rocks, really. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, Red Rocks is an amazing place. It is. Um, my, it's cool. So when I moved to Colorado, I moved here for a job, mm-hmm. uh, and Sarah and Ben were still actually we had left our apartment in New York, and she went to the Midwest to stay with her folks uh, for a couple of weeks while we were waiting for our house to close here, and I was in corporate housing, mm-hmm. um, and I got here, and it was, and I brought my dog on a plane, which is the worst. Don't ever ship your dog on a plane. It was awful. Uh, it was the worst experience. Yeah. Dif- pre- predecessor to that the dog. Right no, there? No, no. Oh. Predecessor to her. Um, and so I got out here and got settled and I was in this corporate apartment and it was Saturday and I didn't yeah. start work till or Friday and I didn't start work till Monday. Um, and I realized, you know, I think I know a couple people that moved out here after high yeah. school. Um, so I call one guy and I, I said, who is it that lives in Boulder? Um, this guy Dino that I grew up with. And he's like, Oh, Eli's out there and Jay's out there. I'm like, Oh, give me numbers. So I call Eli and he's like, Oh, we're going to uh, widespread panic tomorrow night at Red Rocks. I have an extra ticket. And I'm like, okay. So my second day in Colorado, I'm at Red Rocks seeing widespread panic, which was not an easy ticket to get in the first place with like four guys that I went to high school and a whole bunch of their friends. And you're sitting there in this place and the rocks and like, it's just, it's just mind blowing. It was like such a pivotal point in my life of like leaving New York and moving here to the, you know, going West and being at Red Rocks and, you know, 
life all of a sudden got a little slower. It was better. That's good. Yeah. Right? I think it was Slow good. things it was, down. It was good. You know what they say? Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, Holy cow. you could miss it. You're going to be 50 one day, Connor. I know. It's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, not at the rate I roll right now, but maybe, you know, I might not make it there. It's inevitable. It's yeah. inevitable. It yeah, happens. It's crazy. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Uh, it's not scary, but it's like, you know, you, grow up. You know, when they talk about midlife crisis, like there's there, there's truth to it. The crisis, you know, can be averted or it can be as, as light or deep as, you know, you let it. But mm-hmm. um, you do like wake up on certain days and go, fuck i'm 50 yeah and well now i'm 51 <laughs> yeah it's mind-blowing and you're like yeah. you know you can't you you, you want to go back you know like sometimes you just you want to be young again yeah um but you can't right so you just gotta make the best of it can't go back can't go back that's kind of yeah it's good and bad which is why like you know staying healthy it's really important yeah it's like the only way to to, to live on yeah, it literally is the only way, right? Really, because, really, you know, they, I, I have seen a lot of older people get really, really unhealthy in their lives, and, like, the end is not, not good. No. No, it's not good. Why can't we get, like, the rest of the country to think that way? Um, it's, it's really strange, especially if you go, so, I, you know, I don't go much anymore, but so where Sarah's folks are from, Milwaukee, mm. um, Good spot. The, the norm is, you know, 200, 300 pound people walking around. That mm-hmm. is that is normal. And there's there's no like, oh, my God. Whereas if you saw somebody who was, you know, 250, 300 pounds walking down here. Pearl Street here, everybody would be like, <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Um, right. It's just two totally different worlds. Uh, it's and it's bizarre. And people who are smoking and just eating fried food mm-hmm. and like, you know, that's just all acceptable. Yeah. It's just the way it is. You been to the South re- at all? Not recently, not even recently. Not much. Just in general. I mean, I have been through the South. I have a good Waffle House story. Okay, let's hear it. That place, <laughs> that place is great, but you can only go there. We'll call it one a.m., but really two a.m. After two a.m. So this is that van trip we're driving down, okay. and we are in I want to say Mobile, Alabama, because we okay. like left Virginia and went, started going west to get down towards New Orleans. So we were like cutting. We didn't go through like Georgia at all. Like we cut around and started heading west, and so we're we our mo was to sleep in the van as much as we could. But when we were like in weird places where you know instead of paying for like a campground or whatever, we would just pull into a hotel parking lot and sleep. So we did that. It was like a I don't know roadside, not roadside, but like you know well I guess roadside hotel. And we get up in the morning, get it together, drive across the street, go into the Waffle House. You know, it's like six o'clock in the morning because you can't really sleep late in a van, right? Yeah. And we're sitting there and and you, this woman, it's like the music like came on, right? Like, and it, it, all of a sudden you felt like you were in a um, Quentin Tarantino movie. Mm. And this woman starts walking towards the table, you know, and she's, she's a big woman. Um, and she And you could tell she was coming to us and she got to the table and she said... You the boys that slept across the street in the hotel parking lot last night, <laughs> and we were both like, uh, "Yeah." And she's like, "Uh huh, uh huh, okay." And that was like that was it. There was no like you know we weren't in trouble. That was it. Like, they didn't just... call the police or anything, yeah. but the whole town knew. Um, the whole town knew. You know, they were like those boys with the New York plates. You know, sleeping in the parking lot. But how was the meal? Great. Waffles. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we ate in the Waffle House like almost every day. It's so, a great spot. Yeah, we had very little funds for this trip. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like a thing where like, you know, the weather's going to be bad if the Waffle House is closed because it never closes. <laughs> okay. You didn't know that? I, I, th- I think it's like a 24 seven. Yeah. Day. Like in Florida, yeah. if they close, it's like, you know, the hurricane or whatever's coming is going to be bad. Oh, okay. Because they never close. Yeah. Because they can't. Yeah. It probably costs more to shut it down than it does to keep it running. Like the owner of that, whoever is the CEO of that company, like what are they, what's the, what's the game plan there? Just trashy food for trashy people. Is that the marketing strategy? You're in advertising. You work. I mean, probably, you know, and it's like the, how they source their food and distribute it. It's all, all about the bottom line, right? Yeah. Cracker Barrel. Have you been to a Cracker Barrel? Oh yeah. We used to go there all the time as kids. So this past summer we drove to Baltimore because air 
fair was like insane and we had what to go doing to this, in Baltimore. We had to go to a wedding. It was it was <laughs> So we we decided, all right, we're not going to fly because it was like a thousand dollars a ticket. Mm-hmm. So we decided I have all these airline miles. Mm-hmm. So we used those to rent a minivan so that we weren't using our cars and gas was at like $5 a gallon at the time. Right. So we figured if we drive my car, I have to put super unleaded in. So in your Audi in the Audi. Yeah. So you're going to drive across the country in that car. It, well, the other, the bigger one. Oh, gotcha. 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 So we rent a minivan that we could put cheap gas in flex, flex fuel. Mm -hmm. And the four of us head out and like the best food that you can find between here and Baltimore is the Cracker Barrel. Yeah, not yeah. not bad. Not bad, but but still sad. Okay. That that's that's what we're that's it's that's definitely the a best few steps above Waffle House. Yes, <clears throat> I agree. Like I can't go on the record and say that well Cracker Barrel is bad because <laughs> if my grandparents ever heard that they would <laughs> shoot me. It's always the same. Yep. You know, there's, there's, it's totally consistent. There you go. Yeah. 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 All right. You want to talk about real estate? Or you want to skip the CrossFit? Uh, whatever, whatever you want. Let's talk me. about some real estate. Let's talk about okay. selling houses. How'd selling you get houses. into that? So my mother was a real estate broker. Okay. Um, and so I bought my first place in 1998. It was just like a tiny little 400 square foot studio. So twice the size of this room. Oh, sweet. Um, but it was all mine, like in a great part of New York, Murray Hill, and uh, I was in heaven. And then fast forward a couple of years, I moved to Virginia for a job. Sarah followed me. We ended up getting married. That place was too small. We mm-hmm. sold it. We bought a bigger place. Then we lived there for a couple of years. We decided we want to have kids. That was too small. And they wanted to build the Olympic Stadium, which New York, mm. New York never got the bid for the Olympics. But their plan was. Do you to- even want it anymore? Probably not. But back then it was a big deal. And the plan was, I mean, this whole, the whole West side of Midtown was going to get dug up and we were like, we've got to sell this place or we are going to get stuck here Mm. for like 20 years. So we sold that place and then we were renting something on the Upper East side or Upper West side. Um, and that's when we had been and we realized we, we had to get out of New York. So we did. So we moved to Boulder. We bought a house here, lived there for a few years till the recession. Then we moved to Chicago. We bought a house there. We gutted 1920s farmhouse in Winneka, gutted the main floor, lived through that project, um, was kind of insane. Decided to move back to Boulder. We're in a series of rentals. Then we bought a house Then we in Gun Barrel and we didn't like living there. So then we bought a house in North Boulder. Yeah, Gun Barrel sucks. Um, well, so we just bought another house there that we're moving into. Oh, and we I didn't hear that. House. Yeah. Let's um, go. So it's just like, I got the fever. Like I was mm-hmm. just doing all these real estate deals and I didn't really use brokers much, um, unless it was to my advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Um, and so as I started to have this midlife crisis that I've talked about, um, I knew I was just not employable in advertising anymore. It was just this dying industry and everybody, you know, there's as a writer, there's 20 somethings out there that will work for half of what I'll work for mm. that are just as good as I am. They might not have the experience with clients or like brand knowledge, but they're, you know, they can write. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, squeezed out ageism. It's real. Um, man, that's when you know you're old. Yeah. It's not yeah, yeah. good. So the the question was like, what can I, what am I going to do? What can I do? I still have, you know, enough years left of, of wanting to work and needing to work. Um, and so real estate was, real estate was it. And you just hopped right in. So I went and, uh, I was working on a pretty big project in the, on the advertising side okay. and taking all the online courses and, mm-hmm. you know, watching the videos and, and then it came to t- take my state and national exam, which was terrifying because I hadn't taken the test since really college. Long time, yeah. um, and I was never a good test taker. I mean, I was never a good student to begin with. Um, and so it was really, really terrifying. And I took the test and I got, I think, a 92 on one and a 97 on the other. Mm. Um, there and, you go. And that was it. So then... Uh, I knew some guys at Petal Properties in Boulder, which was a, a little local um, real estate shop agency in town and joined forces with them and kind of started to build my career. And then we merged with Compass um, about three and a half years ago. 
Uh, I've heard that name before. Compass is Compass is a really interesting company. It's they mm. they consider themselves a tech company, not a real estate brokerage, okay. even though like legally they are considered a a, a real estate brokerage. Mm. Um, but the technology that they've built, I mean, they're tech guys. It's a New York company, tech guys. They've built a platform that makes our lives that much easier. Mm. Um, in any given day, a real estate agent has to log into like fifteen different things just mm. to get one thing done. So that was kind of their their MO is to create this one login platform, mm -hmm. which they've done and they're still building on it. Um, and they're now number one brokerage in the U.S. in 10 years. Really? Which is, yeah, pretty huh. pretty amazing. Wow. Number one in Boulder, yeah. number one in Boulder in luxury, number one in Boulder County, number one in Denver, I believe. Wow. Um, those numbers change from month to month. So if anyone, people are listening to this, that may change. But Interesting. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely the the luxury high end mm -hmm. um, brokerage. Hmm. Not that we don't work in all all price ranges. But yeah. yeah, you doing all right? You need to stretch or anything? No, I'm good. Oh, I, you look you know, well. Cool. It's the knee. You know? Yeah, yeah, you look like tight. It's the knees tight. No, yeah, you just seem tight. A big gaping hole in my shin. Yeah, you I mean, you've been sweating that. the whole time we've been talking. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just, just the sun coming through the window. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you you just sell like houses. Uh, no commercial stuff? No, I don't do commercial. Um, no. Totally different ball game, right? Totally different. And the reason why I've stayed away from commercial is that it's a lot more, like I'm not really a numbers person. Gotcha. I definitely follow the numbers and all the stats in the market, but mm -hmm. like commercial is like based on like square footage and triple mm -hmm. net and like taxes and like all this stuff that is just not interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, when I walk into a house with, you know, say I'm working with a buyer and we walk into a house, like I stop take it in I see what's possible I see what's there it's like a canvas to me gotcha. and that's what I enjoy about it <laughs> meaning like what um, you can do with the house what what the possibilities are like gotcha. you know is it just done is it, is it done and you just move in which is what a lot of people just want um, but my experience and my history is buy something that has potential um, mm. like this house that you're you're at right now yeah. like this is a, you know cute little typical boulder 60s ranch but this property is on a street that has a curve to it so our lot is more of like a triangle than just a okay. rectangle yeah and so that gives you the ability to have a bigger yard or a bigger lot and do more with it so we're oh. adding 1400 square feet to this house wow yeah it's but a big you're project moving. well we're moving to another house that we bought as a temporary to live oh, in two houses Two houses. Nice. That'll be, you know, that's a flip. So we, we redid the kitchen and the baths. We have tenants in there right now. Mm -hmm. And then when we move in there, we'll live there for, I don't know, six to eight months. <clears throat> while um, this is being done. While this is being so done. So then you'll have a real house and a fun house. And then hopefully um, we'll just get rid of that house after. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. cool. The beauty of being a real estate broker is I don't pay commissions. Oh, um, yeah. And I don't have to pay anything to my brokerage. Um, I get two deals a year. So You don't want to just keep it and like throw some parties it, it, there, it, have some fun? Uh, that's a pretty expensive clubhouse. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> um, I don't know. It depends on where the market is. I mean, it, it may end up being a rental for a while. Yeah. But yeah. This is all the college plan. This is how we're going to pay for college for two kids. Oh, know? nice. And they're how old? So Ben is 17. He's got he's a junior um, with a half a year left in his junior year, and Emily's a freshman. Is he the same kind of student you were? No, Ben is like a straight A plus. Seems kind of straight edge. Plus, he uh, he's a serious kid. Try to loosen him up a little bit. I, you know? I try, I try. He d he doesn't really take well to that when I you know <laughs> when I screw with him. Um, yeah, he's serious. Um, like he got his first ring muscle ups last night. In the gym. Oh, really? He was super close the other day, so that's good. He I can't Happy do a bar that. muscle up, but he can do ring muscle ups. I don't, I don't get. Yeah, it. it's interesting. Yeah, concept. Um, but he is pretty much, with the exception of like heavyweight overhead. Well, mm -hmm. overhead squats, he's got me because I just my knee, I can't squat. But um, he's pretty much surpassed me in everything except for like strength. Yeah, well, the but bar's not super high. He's pretty close. He's pretty close to beating me in everything. Yeah, I said yeah. low bar. You know. Yeah. See the expectations. Pretty easy, you know. I thought you were talking about the physical bar. No, 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 no. <laughs> of course not. All right. So, how'd you get into CrossFit? All right. Well, uh, that's really a Sarah thing. So she happened to be working in the steel yards. Okay. And which was right behind the old gym. Okay. The you know like the back alley, and then there were those buildings back there. So she literally mm -hmm. overlooked the back alley and would see 
there was a while where they were pushing the bike rack back and forth in the alley and then okay. you'd always see people that was our 400 loop yeah um and we knew mo robbins and Teresa. um for oh, yeah, a long okay. time. Yeah. so they were members and somehow i think sarah and Teresa were talking about it and so sarah jumped in and i was like i can't do that like i just don't have like the stamina you know like endurance is not my thing um i you know i run fast to the corner especially when i'm being chased by the police but other than that like i'm not Has that like, happened before yes <clears throat> awesome um so she was about i don't know two or three months into it and i saw like the change in her like you know mentally and physically like she was just getting fit and i was like this is kind of crazy okay i think i'm gonna have to do this so i did and i jumped in and i was like man there is this video so i joined i think in october and then the open was in february so like okay. three, three and a half four months in yeah my first open um i had a a spare tire around my waist and i was doing this friday nights friday night lights workout which is, you know, kind of how we used to do the open for yep. people pre-pandemic. And it was, I think, 50-pound um, snatch, single-arm snatches and then burpee over the box. This was 2017, yeah. I think so, yeah. And I thought, so Sarah's sitting there with the kids. Um, there's a couple other guys, like, further down the gym that are doing it, and they're, like, super fit. Like, they're done, and I'm still, like, on the first round, you know. <laughs> And I thought, like, I, just these visions going through my head, like, I'm going to die of a heart attack in front of my whole family trying to do this. Like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And everybody starts, you know, kind of circling around, and there was so much support getting through it. I, I really thought I was going to die, but I did get through it. I finished. Yeah. Um, and that is incredibly inspiring, you know, just to, like, have that support structure and mm -hmm. even being, you know, so on. I mean... I was never fit. I was never an athlete, but I played a little soccer in high school. I was like, I was always on a bike as a kid, but as I got into my twenties and you know, thirties and then had a child, I became that dad, you know, like, yeah. with the dad bod yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and I was not fit. Yeah. And so I'd say now, now I'm pretty fit. Yeah. Yeah. And what keeps you coming back? Uh, fear, really fear, I mean, of? A, a fear of just like being unfit again. Hmm. yeah like like the thing as you age like it well, becomes more and more of a thing well i mean i think part of it is like you know you you just stop you could just let yourself go right mm -hmm. like get um get i don't i don't think i was ever fat but i was definitely chubby and had a, mm -hmm. had a belly um and i don't i don't re, I, like i remember that part of myself and i don't i don't look kind of fondly back at it mm -hmm. so i don't ever want that to happen again hmm. um you know, and I've had these injuries. I've been riddled with injuries for the mm -hmm. last, you know, two years. From, yeah. From the the knee surgery two years ago to that foot injury, and then redoing my knee again with getting the screw out. So I've I've been compromised for the last two years. During the pandemic, though, before I severed my ACL again, I mean, I was probably in the best shape of my life, and I was mm. starting to run longer distances and and all that. And so it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. But there's hope. Yeah, it's like a crazy thing. It's like, especially with all the injuries you've had, like no one would blame you if like, I mean, maybe like Boulder's different, but like other places, it's like totally fine to just grow up, have a kid and just kind of get fat and just, that's normal. That's Milwaukee. It's just like I was saying. I mean, it's, it is totally acceptable just to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't, I, I can't ever let myself go back to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep fighting. Um, I'm, I'm on a good path now if I can mm -hmm. get through this like inflammation and like like I said gaping hole in my leg yeah um I will <laughs> my goal is to be able to run again yeah like, I feel like, like the, just well like in day-to-day -day classes since the foot or injury like you haven't been running. I've run like a few 200s yeah like maybe four or five <laughs> rounds of 200s in a class mm -hmm. but nothing more than that I don't think I've run a 400 mm -hmm. in, in a year um, oh wow yeah so pretty, yeah. pretty debilitating. It's crazy too. Cause it's like, you just write off all these health problems as age things, but it's like, no, no, there's like a way to actually push this back to a certain extent. I think so. I think, I think I figured out, you know, um, no, that's a, that's a fact that I was telling you. That's a fact. <laughs> Re repeat your fact. 
just that like like as you get older like people get super out of shape and super unhealthy and you just write it off as age right when a lot of the times like to an extent you can push this back right yes i agree with that thank you i totally agree <laughs> with that i i think i'm living proof of that right? yeah like i've i reversed it mm -hmm. i reversed aging i mean i can't control my gray hair but um yeah yeah I can I, I can do things now that I could not do was that like seven years ago before you started before I started. and that's pretty that's gotta be a pretty cool feeling right yeah totally yeah, yeah. and then and, and because you're into it and because of the you know the the culture and the community that goes along with like the way that you guys run roots which is you know a, a big part of our life like you just don't want to give that up yeah. So even with the injuries, when it's like, oh, I could just take a few months off, like I would be missing out on all of that other stuff that I'm so mm -hmm. used to. So I don't want to not go to the gym. So the community is part of what brings you back. Totally. Keeps you there. Totally. Yeah. I've, I've been a member of many, many, many gyms over the years. Yeah. And never had any reason to be there other than get on the treadmill, <laughs> play with the Cybex machines, break a yeah. little bit of a sweat. Yeah. And then get out of there. <laughs> get out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a crazy thing. Yeah. It's cool because you don't really realize it when it's happening, but it's something where if it was ever taken away from you, you'd be like, oh, I missed that. Yeah. Like yeah. it's hard to see anything really great in the moment. Well, even over you the stop years, and look around. even over the years, you see people who, you know, kind of cycle through the gym. They come in and then they leave and then all of a sudden they show up again and then th maybe they stay or maybe they leave, maybe they come back again, mm -hmm. you know, but there's definitely like, there's a magnetic mm -hmm. something that has people coming and going and, you know, whether they leave for injuries or they move away or whatever mm -hmm. it is. But, um, you know, there's a good amount of people who have been there for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that magnetic thing is? Um, well, I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's the community, right? Yeah. It's it's the, you know, get there a few minutes early before class, chat with some people. Um, if you take your class, you know, you just get made fun of the whole time. <laughs> that's not um, true. That's false. Well, if you're me, it's true. Uh, <laughs> and then afterwards, you know, like just complaining about what you just did with everybody and yeah, the camaraderie right? and, uh -huh. you know, everybody's kind of living it together. Yeah, there's something cool about like you're all doing the same workout, different weights, different whatevers, but like at the end of the day, it's challenging for everyone. I think and it's it, a shared thing. You know, if, if I was going to like, you know, putting on a marketing hat, right. If I was going to try and sell CrossFit to people and like, they think, Oh, these classes, like I can't do this. And like mm -hmm. the scaling and the ability to do your workout mm -hmm. in that class environment is unlike anything else. And there's never any pressure for sure. To, like go, <laughs> if anything, you guys are like, eh, maybe take a couple pounds off, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, which I think is, it's like this misleading, thing, yeah. you know, plus with all the, like that, that narrative about how people always get hurt and CrossFit and, you know, it's like, no, they just went to a really shitty gym. It, well that, and so I have, I have a friend who's like a runner, right? Like he's mm -hmm. running like, you know, six miles at a time, three, four five days a week or whatever. And so he tore a hamstring like really, really bad. And he's, he's not been running. I think it's been probably about a year that he's been dealing with this. Um, but he was the one that it was always like, oh, you know, everybody gets hurt in CrossFit. Blah, blah, blah. Here he has this like injury that's almost as bad as mine. Yeah. And my injuries are not due to CrossFit. I mean, mm. my my injury, my original knee injury was due to skiing. Um, well, the and, foot thing was kind of a dumb thing. Well, that was that was a that was a silly accident. It just happened. It came down. Happen the, I remember that day. That was terrible. Yeah. 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 That was awful. <laughs> Like, oh was, no! That was some of the most pain that I've ever felt in my life. Yeah, that um, seemed brutal. Yeah, and so like you know, it, it that's that's not a it's not a thing. Any any sport you do, yeah, there's risk of getting hurt. And runners of all people are gonna call you out for that, really. You just ground and pound, you, and then if you do come into the CrossFit gym, you can't do shit, right? Because <laughs> your knees don't work, your hips are terrible. Well, that, and your upper body. Is and then weak. you're gonna then you might get hurt. And you're gonna blame it on CrossFit, right? Not all these other th miles you put on. Yeah. Although there are some athletes at the gym that are runners. That oh, are definitely. Like impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impressive people. I wasn't trying to call anyone out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. Like, it, it kind of makes me mad when you're at the whiteboard and, like, people cheer a little louder when people say an RX score, right? Because it's cool um, to some people. Sometimes. Well, somebody hit a goal, right? Yeah. Somebody, like, to me, it's not necessarily like what was the score yeah it's the fact that that person was able to beat their previous score 
but then move to the next person and it's like it wasn't rx but that was their rx for where they're at mm. kind of thing you know what i'm yeah, saying maybe yeah does that make sense to you it, yeah it makes sense i mean like why that, does rx have to be the end all be all um because you're always you, so it, it's interesting sarah has always explained it as you're not there to compete with anybody except for yourself and that's mm -hmm. what the rx is about is like what's your goal mm -hmm. where were you last time and can you beat that can you yeah, up yourself so we're saying the same thing right so what's wrong with that nothing it's just, just the like, fact that people don't get cheered for not doing an rx well they do but just like there's always a little extra oomph to the rx like i could do a workout rx you know can do most workouts rx yeah totally bomb it yeah. people are gonna be like oh that was awesome like i see that was shitty yeah we have put the but amount just of weight there's that an you RX next compared to, it. to other people is you know yeah but go to the next person and maybe they went up 10 pounds or whatever and absolutely crushed it yeah it's not gonna be quite the same right well it's that's where the pr up. comes in right yeah right so that's yeah. that yeah that's fair yeah, I don't guess really there's just so much going on behind the scenes that most people don't even realize. Like, I'll know at the board, like, kind of who did what before, who did this, like, yep. or, like, last time we snatched. It doesn't have to be a benchmark. They did, like, 80 pounds, and this time they did 90 and yep. crushed it. Yep. You know, yeah. not everybody. I guess, okay, I guess not everybody knows all that. What, so you're looking at people's scores prior to class just to see, like, where Well, they no, I just, like, from knowing them for so long, like, you just get an idea of, okay, this person's probably going to deadlift 135 for this workout. This person's probably going to do Got it. 185, you know? Yep. So it's, like, I just guess it's, I guess it's just going back to the point of it's all relative. Yeah. And it shouldn't be, like, RX is, like, the, like, that's what you should just freaking. Well, and then you have somebody like me who probably hasn't PR'd on anything in a mm. long, long, long time just because I have not had mm -hmm. the ability as there's a couple movements that I can still do that are mm. impressive, at least to me. Um, so like I've always thought about it like a post-op PR, mm. <laughs> right? Like and let's reset. Does that get in your head? Like I used to do this in the gym. Totally. No, I don't. Cause that'll be a thing. Like especially for me as I age and like, like, yeah, you can go for a long time, well into your forties and fifties and PR things, but like eventually there's going to be a point where you're like, I wasn't, I'm not doing what I used to do. My, I think my upper body is so much stronger than it's ever been, mm. but I can't, um, my legs can't support getting under the bar. Mm. So that's what holds me back. Right. Yeah. Like, so even the snatches last night, I was just muscle snatching, mm. but if I could bend my knees and get under it, I, you know, it's I'm game like, changer. I mean, <laughs> Big so time. I like maxed out at 115 last night, which was uh, probably I overdid it for mm -hmm. being a week out of surgery. Um, but I was my probably PR, Nicole uh, coach in that class. Yeah. She probably let you do that. No, Eric. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't overdo it as far as weight. I just overdid it a little bit for gotcha. my body not being, gotcha. like, that was really my first class yeah. back. Um, but my PR was 145. Right. Yeah. And then, like, I know that I could beat that now if yeah. I could just get under the bar, which is really frustrating. You get there. Maybe. Don't I mean, worry. that's kind of my goal. Yeah. Right? That's good. To structurally get back to yeah. moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What more can you ask for in life? Not much. Maybe some fruity pebbles and a massage, but well, that's about you know, it. If you're in the CrossFit world, fruity pebbles are kind of out of the question. Right? Don't tell Nicole I said that. <laughs> I think she listens to this. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I mean, she'll let me know if she does because I said some crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Well, I think we I think we accomplished the goal. All right. I think you did pretty well. Did I? There are a few things in there. I was writing them down as we went, but you did good. You're going to edit edit those out? No. <laughs> no edits. All right. We just send it. But thanks, John. Well, Appreciate happy, it. Happy to contribute.